Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. Excited to be here. Uh, we're in week three of our series, Missio Day, where we're looking at the mission of God. And we have been saying all the way through this series that the more that we understand what God's mission is in the world, that he does have a mission. And the more we understand that and the more that we begin to engage in it, the more meaningful our lives become and the more impactful they become. So what we've done over the last two weeks is, is we've gone back and we said in week one that there's tensions that many times uh, we can feel as believers in terms of like, okay, what, what kind of is this mission that we're supposed to be involved in? And many times one side of Christianity will say, uh, it's just all about proclamation, we're just supposed to tell everybody about Jesus and the good news, and that's really kind of all that we're called to do. And then there's another side that says, no, 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 no. It's about how we live our lives and the example that we are to the world, and we should be involved in social justice and all the, the care of the, the earth and all this stuff. Like, we can't just tell everybody about Jesus and neglect all these things, we have to also be involved in these things. So there's these tensions that are out there. And what we've been seeing is that from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, God has had a mission, and it's to rebuild and redeem and restore and reconcile all the places that sin and brokenness have come into the world. That God made everything good in the beginning, everything was good, and all of a sudden, man, we decided to go our own way, and what happened was, is that brokenness and fracture happened in relationships and families and physically, and right from the beginning, God says, okay, hey, listen, I have a plan to heal this, and I have a plan to bring redemption and to bring restoration to this. And so he begins to set his plan in action. And what we begin to see is he calls a man named Abraham in Genesis 11. And in Genesis 12, Abraham trusts him and steps out and begins to follow him. And Abraham is going to be blessed, but it's not just for Abraham. It's what God wants to do in and through Abraham. And so... Abraham begins to follow God, and all of a sudden, there's a people that God begins to form, this nation of Israel. We looked at last week that Israel uh, had that missional call on their lives, that God wanted to do something through them that would impact the world, but they kept getting into this quagmire where they cared so much more about 
what people thought of them and trying to be like the world that they had no real impact on the world. That their heart was like, hey, we, we, we want to be like these other nations. And so God, his call on Israel was, yes, to proclaim who God was, his truth, but it was also in who they were as a people. It was who they were called to be and what they were called to do, that they were called to live distinct lives that people would look at them and say, okay, there's something different about you. What is it? And it's, it's the relationship we have with God and his promises in our life. So today, I want, we want to keep building on this, and I want to look at one chapter in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus is starting his ministry. And I want to look at this whole idea of how Jesus lived, his identity, his being, what he did, and then what he also proclaimed and talked about. So if you have uh, your Bible or your device, or you can follow it on the screen, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. In Luke 3, Jesus has been baptized. Uh, he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's beginning his, his ministry now. And it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That thing that's happening here where the enemy comes to Jesus and he, and he says, hey, listen, if you are the son of God, I need you to do these things. We're going to see this in the first half of this passage of scripture. We're going to see the enemy continuing to, to kind of um, engage with Jesus in this way. And really what's happening here is he is pushing back and testing his identity of who, who he is. Because it's interesting, we're going to see, when Jesus finishes this, this encounter with the enemy, which is, again, all about his identity, we're going to see that Jesus is going to go from there and go right into some situations where he's going to be tested and rejected. He's going to have to know who he is. Guys, here's the thing. When, when we see things Jesus goes through and, and what we're watching here, guess what? It gives us a picture for our own lives because guess what? As we're called to go out into the world and live in the world, guess what? If we don't have our core identity established of who we are as, as children of God, then we're always going to be looking for it affirmation from the world. 
We're always going to be looking for affirmation from our bank accounts, from our jobs, from our diplomas, from what people say about us on social media. What the, that's, like, this is what's ha- going to happen here with Jesus. Jesus' identity right from the beginning, because remember what we said, mission is not just about what you do or what you say, it's who you are. When you understand And they're going to see this theme run through this chapter in Luke 4 over and over again. And at the very end, Jesus is going to give us this big clue because they tell him, Jesus, we want you to stay here. All these incredible things you're doing. And Jesus goes, no, no, you don't understand. I got to go and proclaim the gospel in these other places because this is the very reason I was sent. Jesus carried with him an understanding that life was not just random, that he was sent. That he was sent to Austin, Texas. That he was sent to Liberty Hill. That he was sent to that job. That he, Jesus understood this. But the enemy is coming in right at the beginning. See, we'll never have the impact that God wants us to have on the world around us if we're always trying to get our strokes from the world. No, when your core identity is established, this is what's happening here. The enemy said, oh, if you are the son of God. No, he was the son of God. He's attacking his identity. Let's keep going. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The enemy was coming and saying, hey, listen, you don't have to go through the cross. You don't have to do this. Like, just come worship me, and I'll give you all these kingdoms. But watch what he goes on to say. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Being. Jesus understood who he was and whose he was, he had thoroughly answered the identity issue. See, guys, I'm telling you, if you're still at your school and you're still ultimately wanting to draw all your identity from the people around you, you're never gonna be able to have the influence that God wants you to have when your core identity issue is already established. Jesus understood who he was and whose he was. Now watch what happened. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. There's a buzz about Jesus. He went viral. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth 
where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Isaiah 61, he's going to read. It's a messianic prophecy. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, verses 1 through 3 of Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, Because he, God, has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It says, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. So Jesus stands up. He begins to give his job description. Okay, guys, listen. The Spirit of of, of God is on me because he's anointed me with a mission. He's anointed me to go do certain things. Number one thing he says there, he has what? Sent me, anointed me to proclaim good news. So part of Jesus's mission was to come and to proclaim good news to those around him and to the world. Guess what we're called to do? We're called to to proclaim Good news to the world. The gospel's not bad news. We sang about it this morning. It's not that God hates you. We're in the time of God's favor. God loves us. God is is pursuing us and reaching out to us, right? But we have to proclaim that message to the people around us. The only way many times they're ever going to hear it is if somebody has to proclaim it. My life was changed because somebody shared the good news with me. First, my cousin, when I was 18 years old in Hawaii, she shared the good news with me. And then somebody on my campus shared the good news with me. So what Jesus was called to do is he's called to proclaim. But that's not it. Look at what else. If you read all of Isaiah 61, he's called to bind up the brokenhearted. Come on. Are there any brokenhearted people around us? There are. There's brokenhearted people everywhere we look. Jesus was drawn to the brokenhearted to restore them. I got asked in Indianapolis, and I've shared this before, a woman named Peggy O'Connor. Peggy ran our Celebrate Recovery ministry with her husband, John. They had come out of a whole series of, of addiction, and God had done an amazing work in uh, her life and her husband's life. And she had this passion to go and start uh, prison ministries uh, in all the women's prison within about 30 minutes of where our campus was in Indianapolis. And she asked me to come one time and to share in this prison. And I went, and there was about 20 
25, 26 ladies in this room, and I began to just share the gospel and my own story and my testimony of how God had worked in my life. And, and I've, I've never been around a group of people where I felt there was more brokenheartedness. And I remember one of the ladies afterwards came up to me and she said, um, man, your story really hit me. It impacted me. I'm going through a really, really difficult time. Like I've lost my children. I've lost my marriage. I've lost my life. I've lost my job. Like I'm brokenhearted. And I said, like, she kept looking down. She, 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 she couldn't look me in the eyes. And I, I said, look me in the eyes. Listen, I am telling you that God loves you passionately. You can, you, can, you can be forgiven. You can be restored. You can be healed. She said, no, I can't. I've done too much. And I said, that's not true. It's not true. I'm telling you. I'm like, look me in the eye. I am telling you that God can redeem this situation. I'm not going to say that it's going to be easy, but God can redeem this situation. And God can give you supernatural peace. And he can give you his supernatural joy. And he can give you his presence in here. And God has a plan and a purpose for this. And this smile came on her face. And she said, I want that. And I said, let us pray for you. And we prayed for her. And she received the Lord. And she let go of all the despair and the, the brokenheartedness and all the heaviness. Guys, there are people all around us. So Jesus says, hey, I came to proclaim good news. I came to bind up the brokenhearted. I came to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Captives. What's he talking about? Listen, anytime he talked to the Pharisees, and we're going to see this in a minute, anytime he talked to the Pharisees, the Pharisees always blew him off. They're always like, yeah, dude, we don't need any of that. Captive? We're not captive. We're God's people. We're Abraham's descendants. We're the people of God. No, he's trying to get them to understand. No, yes, but you're captive to sin. Come on. How many people are around us? Sin is destroying their life. They're captive to anxiety and fear. They're captive to anger. Anger is destroying their marriage and their family. They're captive to lust and immorality, and it's destroying their life. They're captive to greed, and it's running them into a, a wall. They're captive to shame. Come on. Is anybody else in here... Was anybody else need freedom? Man, I needed tons of freedom. Come on, I needed tons of freedom. This is what Jesus came for. 
to comfort all who mourn and those who grieve, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness and despair. Guys, one of the things that we're, we're going to see here is that Jesus opened his eyes to the needs that were all around him. Come on, is there anybody at Cedar Park High School around you that, ne that needs encouragement, that needs God's love, that needs reconciliation, that needs hope? Yes. There's people all around us. So Jesus, watch this. Jesus reads this, his job description, saying, okay, no, no, this is who I am. I'm God's sent one. I'm God's servant. I'm the son of God. And I'm sent on a mission. And the mission is to go what? Proclaim and to what? Demonstrate. To demonstrate the gospel tangibly and to proclaim it compellingly. Live it and proclaim it. But watch what happens. All spoke well of him. And we're amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them, surely, this is going to change all of a sudden. Surely you will quote this proverb to me, talking to these Israelites, physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, Jesus continued, he's switching here. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed. Only Naaman the Syrian. This is Jesus talking to church people. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. What's happening here? Jesus is reading their hearts and minds, and their hearts and minds, when he says, you will say to me, physician, heal thyself, what they're saying to him is, we hear you, Jesus, but we don't need any of this. Literally what they're saying is, we're good. This doesn't apply to us. So Jesus gives two examples from the Old Testament. Elijah and Elisha, who both were rejected as mouthpieces of God in their generation because they weren't, 
they, they weren't going to respond. They had hard hearts and stubborn spirits, and they weren't going to respond. And Jesus says, hey, listen, don't you know that there were a lot of widows in Israel during the time of the famine, yet God only came to one, and she wasn't even an Israelite? She was from Sidon? And what he's saying to them is, listen, here's the deal. Just like Elijah was rejected, and God took his word and his promises to these other people, your hearts are this way. So Jesus says, the widow and Naaman, here's the thing that was different about them. They had faith to believe. Come on. You can sit in church week after week after week after week and hear Jesus himself speak to you and, and it not do anything in your life. Jesus grabs Isaiah 61, a messianic prophecy, reads it. They're sitting out there going, yeah. And Jesus says, hey, listen, of all the people on the planet during the time, had, many people in Israel had leprosy. God didn't heal any of them. He only healed Naaman, who was an enemy general. No wonder they got ticked off. He's calling them to the carpet. And, and, and what he's saying is, listen, do you know why he went to the widow in Zarephath? Because she believed and she had faith. As soon as Elisha came and talked to her, she, she trusted and she put it in at the end of their time when Elijah was leaving. She said, I believe the word of Jehovah through your mouth. Why did he go to Naaman? Because Naaman had faith to be healed. It's this interesting thing. The widow and Naaman had faith to believe, and he said, wow, you don't. The gospel is for everyone. He's also telling them it wasn't just for Israel. Let me start closing. And he went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Jesus wasn't just religious. They, they had seen lots of religious people. Now they're like, something's different. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, an unclean spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus noticed where God was working around him, and he understood he had power and authority. I mean, you can read that in the text, right? Like he's, he's out and about. He's noticing people, where God is working. Hey, this guy's oppressed. He's, he's, he's got some bondage in his life. Let me step into that and minister. 
Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. (laughs) With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over, rebuked the fever. It left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Guys, in a nutshell, he was not just telling, he was doing. And Jesus wasn't just religious, he had power and authority. And guess what Jesus said to us in Matthew 28? All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Now you go forth. You go forth into your neighborhood. You go forth into your workplace. You go forth into your community. You go forth into your team. You go forth into your school. You go forth as a sent one. Jesus, look, all through. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach. He has sent me to proclaim the good news, to open the prison door to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, right? Jesus understood he was a sent one. He understood who he was. I'm not trying to get my kicks from the world. I know what I'm called to do. And all of a sudden, he begins to do it. Watch how it ends. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. So much good stuff was happening. I mean, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. Is there still sickness today? Yes. Is there still people who are addicted today? Are there still people who are oppressed? Are there still people who are downtrodden? Are there people who are hopeless? Are there people? Yes. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. (laughs) And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus lived with a sense of mission. Come on, God told Joshua in the Old Testament, every place that the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you. Every place that you're going, guess what? We carry with us the the presence and the mission of God. We do. So when I'm at Orange Theory, God, what do you want to do here? When I'm at Gold's Gym, God, what do you want to do here? When I'm at Cedar Park, when I'm on a plane, God, what do you want to do here? I know you're working. 
I know you're working. Come on. I was flying back from a trip a few years ago, and a girl was sitting right next to me, and God said, minister to her. And I struck up a conversation with her, and she literally said, I just got some really bad news that I'm probably going to die. She was a Duke graduate, and I began to minister to her and share the good news of Jesus and salvation and all that. And I sent her a Tim Keller message on 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 1, and she texted me, yes, she said, it's the most powerful thing that I've ever heard in my life, and I've received Jesus. Not, not every time I get on a plane, I'm always open. I'm always open. Okay, God, what do you want to do? Where? Who? Who do you want me to pray for? Who do you want me to encourage? Who do you want me to bless? Who do you want me to share the gospel with? Because, God, I'm not just called to just collect things here on this earth and get to 62.5 and go, yay, I've got lots of great stuff. And isn't life wonderful? No, God, I'm a sent one. I'm a sent one. Indianapolis, we're going to watch this video and close. Became really close with a guy named John Sima. John's an entrepreneur. He's done really well in life. He's his own pharmaceutical company. And um, John and Jill, his wife, uh, they have a special needs son, Peter. He was eight at the time. And John went on a mission trip to Nicaragua, just was drawn to this work that was going on. He took the kids. They had a great time. John was highly impacted. The kids were highly impacted. He said, Jill, you need to come down and go on this mission trip with me. She said, I really don't want to go. He said, no, I really think you should go. So Jill gets there, and she begins to look around, and she does, doesn't know what her purpose is for being on this mission trip. She's not building homes. She doesn't. And all of a sudden, she starts asking people, hey, are there any special needs kids in, this, in Managua? Managua's huge. It's the capital of Nicaragua. She says, are there any special needs kids? And they said, no, they don't, they don't exist in Nicaragua. She goes back to the hotel that night, and she says to John, John, that's so odd that a city of two and a half million people, and there's no special needs kids? And she keeps asking and asking and asking. Finally, one pastor says, there are special needs kids, but they hide them away and they put them in cages. Because in our culture, it's seen as an embarrassment. It's seen as shame. It's seen as God's curse. And so they put, and and God broke her heart. And she began to start a special needs ministry at the school there. And so watch this video because all she did was open her eyes. God, where are you working? How can I join you in the work? And out of that, thousands of lives have been impacted. Hello, Rev. A Church. We are John and Jill Sima, and we are excited that your church body is in a five-week series of Mission of God 
We are great friends with Pastor Dave and his wife, April, and are excited to see what God has in store for you through this series and your church. We have been doing mission work in Nicaragua since 2005 and have been blessed by it. So I would like to turn this over to Jill, and she will describe how we got started and what has been accomplished since we began in 2005. Jill? John took our oldest children on a mission trip, and I was very excited about that, for him to take the children and go on a mission trip, because I thought he really needed that. And so God probably had a big laugh about that, because shortly thereafter, he's like, okay, you need to come and see what's going on. And I thought, I don't know why, because you went, and that was the goal. So we finally went about nine months later, and um, I was... The first thing I saw was that I didn't see any children with special needs there. And because we have a son who at that time was about eight years old, has Down syndrome, we, um, that was the first thing that I saw. God uses those things in your life to open your eyes to needs. And so I started asking people, where are all the children with Down syndrome or with special needs or physical disabilities? And the lady that was running the organization with whom we went said the only time she had seen anyone with special needs was in a home she visited and the child was in a cage and I of course was in tears immediately and she said the child seemed to be cared for well the mother was feeding the child and I just needed to know more so I asked around and people didn't really know and later that week we talked to the pastor of the church with whom we were working and I asked him if we started a special needs classroom would he if we built the classroom onto the school would he allow us to have special needs classes there and he didn't really say much we didn't have a relationship yet and of course there was a language barrier and so I went home thinking okay that's not what God had in mind and about four months later he visited our country and he came to dinner at our home he had requested to come and the first thing he said when he walked in was, if anyone asks what's new in our school, I tell them that we're starting a special needs classroom. And I was like, what? And so it was what God had in mind. And so we were very excited about that. And um, God just used connections with PTs, OTs, special ed teachers to bring them all together to make our first trip in January of 2005. And we only knew of, um, I think, maybe two individuals in the neighborhood who had special needs. And we took some little half-sheet flyers around and canvassed the neighborhood and handed those out. And we said, if you have a child with special needs, bring them that week. And they could be evaluated for a program starting there. And by the time the week was over, we had seen 25 individuals with special needs. And so we didn't, we didn't have teachers or anything like that, but God just provided all of that, provided the connections that we needed. And that was in 2005, and the program's still going, and there are over 125 individuals in two different programs, two different locations, the Agape program in two locations. And they are just restoring, redeeming the, um, the troubles of these families the difficulties that they engage 
in with individuals with uh, special needs because as hard as it is for us here in the states to find services and help that we need it's a hundred times worse in this developing country so um, and then God also provided connections to start a clinic that is instrumental in, in serving the families and uh, the children with disabilities and they the program has grown with the individuals. Um, there's some that have graduated high school now um, from the program, and they have a vocational program where they do some job training. So it's, it's we went there thinking we were going to do all this for the families, the teachers, the church, and every time we take a small or take a uh, short-term mission group with us, we just see everyone's lives change. From the service. Thanks, Joe. I think that's a great description of what we've been through. So our hope and our prayer for you and your church is to find a mission of God for you and your family, either locally or internationally, whatever God puts on your heart. We pray for you and your church. And Dave and April, we thank you that we could uh, that you ask us to do this and. Uh, you guys have a wonderful and blessed day. Thank you. See you need, fill a need. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Jill came back uh, on the last months I was at Trader's Point. We met at Cracker Barrel across from the church, and she was just sharing. She said, yeah, it's amazing. On this particular trip, we had a a party and a celebration. And all these families came together of what God had done over the 10 years. And she said, person after person just got up, mother, father, weeping, talking about how God had restored them and healed them, taking shame away. I was just sitting there like, man, Jill, thank you for stepping into that. At no medical clinic in Nicaragua for special needs at all. Couldn't see them. Through her efforts, Traders Point, our church, we gave $200,000 for a Christmas offering to start the first special needs only medical clinic in Managua. These families and these kids are being cared for. Why do you do this, they ask. Because God's changed my life. God's redeemed me. God's restored me. God's healed me. I want you to know this, this God. It's powerful. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me, sent me to proclaim good news. Recovery of sight for the blind. <laughs> Open the prison door to those who are bound. Heal the brokenhearted. God's at work. He's always at work. I want to join him in the work. That's why we planted this church. It's like, God, there's 
90% of the people in North Austin don't go to church. 60% say that they have no religious faith, nuns in Williamson County. A friend of mine who I, April knows this, I trained his kids in basketball when they were young. I used to go over to his house. He's a multimillionaire, started a dot-com company, tech. Moved back and reached out to some people and I said, Hey, man, where, where does he live now? I want to reach out to him, the Neals. I said, oh, man, Dave, his wife left him, and he went down off the 360 bridge and took his life a few years ago. Jesus knew he was sent. He opened his eyes to the needs around him, and then he stepped into it knew he had been given authority and power. He could make a difference. That's what I want for our church. Noah's going to close us in a song. Let's stand to our feet. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you were able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.